With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the Tyrac.com studios. Tyrac.com will help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, here we are on the, uh, the brink of the Sweet 16. Uh, I will uh, transport myself to the NCAA tournament. At uh, 6 on the East Coast, I'll be on the radio pre-halftime post and in between in the game. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk college hoops all day, but we'll talk some of it uh, upcoming. TJ Hushmanzada will join us in 25 minutes. We'll talk about the league and his thoughts on some of these wide receivers, including, did you guys see that Bryce Young only weighed in at the Combine? He was like 204 at the Combine. I can imagine like the opposite of, you know, when guys are trying to lose weight, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite stories. This is a real story. Okay. So, um, this is probably, I don't know what year it was. 2014. What year was that? Uh, the Colts come back against the chiefs in the playoffs. Do you guys remember that one? Colts comebacks. If you guys could look that up, I know because the game that followed that game on CBS or maybe it was preceded. I think it was the game that, yeah, it was an early game. Preceded that game on CBS was San Diego State against Kansas in basketball. And oh yeah, by the way, spoiler alert, uh, Joel Embiid played San Diego State, who will play uh, tomorrow in the Sweet 16. They beat Kansas at Kansas that day. It was a historic win for San Diego State. And uh, I have a good relationship with both programs. My brother was an assistant coach for eight years at San Diego State from 2000 to 2008, the, the beginning years of the Steve Fisher era, where they started, where they, the first year they didn't win a conference game. And by the time he left, they had won the conference and conference tournament and been to the NCAA tournament first time since the mid-70s. So uh, I know, know that place really, really well. And then Kansas, obviously they were a conference rival, but... All of those coaches I've known for 30 years. And Bill Self, of course, is an Oklahoma State alum and a great dude. And I consider him a dear friend. So I was, I was, I was at Kansas a um, couple days before. And I'll never forget this. This is great. The story I was told was they had, it was over like Christmas break. They had had a weight loss challenge by all the coaches. And so what they decided was, hey, we're going to put in our per diem. For the week. Um, and it might have even been for two weeks. Because it was a good amount of money. And it was all the coaches. All the support staff. But you know the coaches are sitting around. And it's like December. 
and you know you're eating good on the road and on trips and at home and you know you're working and grinding and you look down and you're like damn i'm i look fat i'm ba-, you know i'm out of shape right it's it's a real job it's a real grind and so they all decide all right, we're going to do a weight loss challenge see who can lose the most weight in like during like during break so they all threw in a bunch of money there's a couple grand in the pot and in Fog Allen, and I think it's going to get redone this year. They're doing a bunch of other stuff to Fog Allen. But in Fog Allen, there's like a little coach's workout room in the arena, which is right down the hallway from their locker room and the player's locker room. And there's like a player's lounge and there's a place where they can eat in there as well. Right? And then connecting to it is their basketball practice, practice facility uh, where the players have their own weight room. Right? So it's just, and it's like free weights. It's an elliptical. There's some lame TVs. It's not crazy impressive. But those guys, they're in there for a week just grinding, getting after it. Self didn't lift a finger. Now, he's got money in on this thing. He didn't lift a finger. He ain't going to work out. He ain't doing all that stuff. You guys do all that. The day of the weigh-in, he's getting weighed in at like 7 o'clock at night. He gets up early in the morning, grabs a cup of coffee, drinks the coffee, then goes and goes, puts on like all the wrestling gear to sweat it out and just... Does the sweat box all day, in, out, shower, do the, back, back in the sweat box. He's in the, in the sauna all day long. And the day he takes off all the aluminum stuff, he takes a shower, he weighs himself, he's lost more weight than everybody else. He takes the money and goes out to eat, right? Like he's the best, Bill's the best. Bill's the best. Doesn't take himself all that seriously. I, I wish, obviously, he took his health a little bit more seriously. That's probably why he didn't coach this past weekend. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me. Hilarious to me. Those are the stories. Those are the things like I love about being around a team. And I, I have a story about, about Mick Cronin. You know, Mick, when he first took over at Cincinnati, on New Year's Day, they were going to play Louisville. It was his first year there. Cincinnati and Louisville who they were rivals in the Big East, right? And their rivalry goes back to the days of the Metro Athletic Conference. They actually were both in the uh, Great Great Midwestern Conference. That's a real conference. Then in Conference USA, and then, of course, in the Big East. So they played each other on New Year's Day. And the, the two cities are separated by about an hour and a half. And I'll never forget this. Uh, I go to the... To, we go to the practice. We go to Cincinnati's practice first. And they're practicing where Louisville used to play in Freedom Hall. And Freedom Hall is an arena. And it's called a hall because it's actually in like sort of convention hall in Louisville, Kentucky. Right? Like they have all these horse riding shows there. They have other conventions. And one of the halls was an arena. And that's where Louisville played forever. And so in an empty Freedom Hall, th- they look, I mean, they look like a, like a JUCO team or like a team of like an AAU team, like nobody's wearing matching jerseys. It's their first year. You know, he's got just a ragtag group and Louisville's highly rated. They got Derek Carriker as their best player. And at one point in time in practice, Mick Cronin says, you guys try that S tomorrow. Derek character's going to shove this ball right up your right. And I'm working with a guy named Tom Brennan. You guys remember Tom Brennan's head coach of Vermont when they beat Syracuse in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So he's like, ain't that right, TB? And Tom is sitting next to him. He's like, whatever you say, Milk. So Tom grabs the manager and says, like, hey, hey, Sporto, how, how long are you guys going here, right? Tom Brennan was not a long practice guy. He's like, coach, I don't know how long we're going. We went two and a half hours in, in Cincinnati. So they went and practiced for two and a half hours, got showered up, came down to Louisville, and now they practice like an hour and a half more. And keep in mind, they play on New Year's Day at like noon on national TV. So we go to Louisville practice. Okay, we go to Louisville practice. And Louisville practices in their practice facility on campus. And it's Rick Patino when he runs a practice, it's like a work of art. Everybody's at a station. He doesn't raise his voice because he actually has a microphone. Okay, he has a microphone. So he's just speaking at normal speaking tones, blows his whistle. Everybody pays attention, blows his whistle. They get back to work. It's like art. They go like an hour, 15, then like 15 minutes of walk through in the scout, and then they're out. Then that night, he invites us to. Uh, be at, uh, we couldn't sit at the table. We sat next to them at dinner and they're all in coats and ties and guys had to stand up and sing. 
And I never forget, I walk out of that restaurant and Tom Brennan calls his son and says, hey, Sporto, put everything you got on Louisville tomorrow. Cincinnati, no legs. They practice four hours a day. And Cincinnati won the game. Won the game. So I start by telling you that I love the stories of this thing and uh, personally have a great deal of respect and admiration for Mick Cronin. But he, he played the classic coaches against the NCAA card, which is hysterical. This is Mick Cronin last night when he was asked about the transfer portal. What about the, the transfer portal, the NIL, kind of that wild, wild west, and, <laughs> and, your, and your thoughts on that and how, it, how it's kind of changing the game of college basketball? Yeah, I think it's just, it's just different. It's, you know, you got to look at it as different. You know, the, the dying words of every successful business is somebody sitting there saying, well, this is how we've always done things. And I would remind that to the new head of the NCAA. Um, here's the thing. I understand nobody likes the NCAA. Okay, I get it. It's very easy. You know, you got a new president. Very easy when you don't know who they are. They run what's called a nonprofit. People think that nonprofits mean nobody's supposed to make any money because they don't understand it's what what a nonprofit actually does. But here's the crazy thing. Okay. First, Mick Cronin, when asked about the transfer portal, he doesn't have a transfer on his team. Doesn't have one. NIL. I'm sure he's lost some players in recruiting to NIL. Um, but that's a new thing. Transfer portal and NIL, they're all new things. This is a new world. It is the wild, wild west because the NCAA right now doesn't really have a ton of legislation on it. So you're, you're accusing the NCAA of, hey, dying last words of our business is because we've always done it that way. They're doing things different. They're playing the tournament in Las Vegas. Like, do you understand how big a breakthrough that is, for not just for the city of L- for the city of Vegas, but also for the NCAA to admit, hey, this is actually a real modern city, and they love basketball. It's the home of basketball, and without Vegas, the tournament doesn't really exist. Like, I, I get it, I, I get it. The outgoing president, nobody liked. He could appear smug, aloof, and it wasn't just that he. They had, he had an argument they didn't like. It was his presentation of it and the way they approached it that, that nobody liked as well. But we're sitting here in a brave new era, which has plenty of pitfalls, but is the era that so many called for. And it's the change that was supposedly needed. And you're like, they're not changing. What are you talking about? What, what are you, what are you actually talking? And, and by the way, if the NCA ceases to exist and they, they're going to come up with another ruling power and you know, what's going to happen there. You're not going to like that one either. Cause it's not that people don't like being told what to do. It's people don't being told what to do. If it's not something they agree with. Right. It's like, it's like the, um, uh, it, it's, it, it's the, Classic, okay, classic case of finding, you know, finding a target and just picking on the target instead of answering the actual question. Because I don't actually have an answer. I don't know Mick's answer. Mick, what do you think about NIL? Mick, what do you think about the portal? How come your team has no transfers? And I'm sure he would go into the, hey, look, we're actually UCLA. It's really hard to get a kid into grad school. I don't know how hard it is to get a transfer. And oh yeah, by the way, I don't know if I want to take transfers of a Mick Cronin. This thing seems to be working out okay. Like we played in the Final Four. We've been in the Sweet 16 every year. We got a chance to play for a Final Four again. Like we kind of got this thing rolling. Why we screw it up? Taking on somebody else's player or maybe somebody else's problem. I don't know what his take is. But it's just classic to me. Classic that coaches go the old route of Picking on the NCAA when like the NCAA basically said like, we're good. We're out. You guys want to rule yourself? Go ahead. Do the NIL thing yourself. And then they all hate it. And then they're like, where's the NCAA? And all this like, no, no, no. You told us we were doing too much. So we just won't do anything. You guys figure it out. You guys figure it out. But I, I do like the mix us against the world thing. Me against everybody's against me. 
it works for him as a coach. It's worked for him in his life. But if you actually buy in, you know, like you actually kind of look at it and go like, wait, what? What is he talking about? And that's a soundbite that has been played a lot of places. Oh, it really sounds good. Then you're like, mm. but you didn't answer the question. They are doing things completely differently. I mean, look, if we want to get to the meat of the argument, you know, the reason they hired a guy from Congress to run the NCAA is they're going to have to ask Congress for an exemption. Otherwise, people are going to make these guys into employees. You don't want them to be employees. Players don't want to be employees. Do you know why? Employees can be fired. Players can't really be fired. Because the NCAA has actually done something different over the last decade where you can have a, you have, you're allowed a four-year scholarship. Now you can transfer on a whim. They changed the double transfer rule and it came out yesterday, but all of this stuff is different than it's been. They're trying things differently and no one, everybody refuses to give them credit. How they're playing the final four in Vegas in a couple years. You're like, well, they're not doing anything differently. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific on Fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio radio app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hour two, we, uh, we have a pod that follows this hour. It's called In the Bonus. Download it. At your own risk. So, uh, took my dude to the Laker game last night. Laker girls. 
And I was actually sitting next to a couple of Israelis and they were counting in Hebrew the number of Lakers banners. And uh, he was Ach, Stein, Shalosh, right? And I was like 17. He's like, how do you know? I was like, that's one of those deals. And by the way, they say it when they announce the team, you know, that 17 championships. But it's one of those, what, 27 for the Yankees? They're 27? Like every Yankee fan knows it's 27 and every Laker fans knows, Laker fan knows that they have 17. And uh, there's a lot to it. I mean, the LeBron thing is weird, right? He's not out there with the team. And I thought he did a good job last night of kind of like sneaking out, whereas in years past when he was injured and the season had gone to, he would like wait to almost like a little introduction time when there was a lull in the crowd, felt like he was just kind of fitting in. But they look good. They beat the Suns. Suns didn't have KD, didn't have DeAndre Ayton, but they beat the Suns. And they're sitting there right on the cut line of being in the play-in tournament. So LeBron, um, we don't, nobody really knows like what's going on with this injury, right? We don't really know what's going on with this injury. And um, I, I was, I was wondering when he would be back. And so wasn't it Woj who earlier today tweeted out that there was going to be an, an evaluation in two weeks. That's what you had, Bayer, wasn't it? That there was earlier today, there was a, a tweet that there was going to be an eval of LeBron James in two weeks, and that's when he took to Twitter? Um, yeah, he, the uh, report was that he could play in the uh, final oh. week of the regular season. And uh, then that's what LeBron they said, that there was no evaluation today, which was apparently mentioned in the piece. Hmm. So here's what happens. It's interesting, right? Like Aaron Rodgers went after Adam Schefter and others for, hey, it's my inner circle. I speak for me. And I know none of my inner circle has said anything. And yet everything that was reported, and tell me if I'm wrong, DB, but everything out reported is in fact true, right? Yeah, he could come. I mean, it didn't say that he will be coming back, you know, for the final week of the regular season. The report just said that. He could, but that could right. be the and, case. But I, but I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like the Aaron. Remember, Aaron Rodgers went after everybody for, hey, I'll speak for me. You know, my inner circle hasn't talked to anybody, and yet the things that were being reported that yeah. that people close to Aaron Rodgers had said had actually yes. that's exactly how it played out. Yes, and Aaron Rodgers also said that he was immunized, and it was the media's fault for not questioning him on on the wording of that. So. I don't know if we need to question LeBron. Maybe we do, if that's the case. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, I just, I think, um, I don't know. I think that it's it's one of those deals where I understand that it's your foot, you know, and you don't want anybody, like, what LeBron's defensive about, I'm sure, is he doesn't want anybody thinking he's a healthy scratch, that I could be playing or not playing. And that's never been reported. Although we do wonder, like, okay, when is the point where you go like, you know, we're not going to make it, whatever. Um, But the pushing back on a report that he could play, I don't know. If if it's completely false, completely made up. And by the way, there's also different definitions of what a, like, what an evaluation is. Is it a checkup? Did they call him and check in? Are they trying to figure it out? Did they talk to the doctors? You know, like... It, maybe I didn't. He didn't have an MRI, but calling and checking in, like, how you feeling, big boy? All right, you working out today? Like, and because there's other reports that he hasn't pushed back on that he's continuing his on court work. So an evaluation could 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 maybe be also could be somebody was like, I watched him work out and looked like he's progressing, looked like he's getting better. That's the evaluation. Some of it is we don't know what the the word eval means, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't know what what the what evaluation yeah. is it's like the the famous bill clinton uh, what the what the definition of is is so dave mcmenamin of espn tweeted that lebron continues the on-court activity and is on a uh, gradual basketball movement progression and mcmenamin quoted the lakers is saying that on thursday no specific timetable for his return to game action according to the team so woge then quote 
uh, tweets, McMenamin's tweet, and says there's increasing optimism that LeBron James could return to play, quote, a few, uh, end quote, games in the final week of the regular season. Uh, he's been out, uh, sources tell ESPN, sources say he's been out since February 26th. That was mm-hmm. the that was the Woj uh, information. I, I just, I wonder what the energy behind LeBron's deal is. I don't know. I, the the whole tweet to me, like I read it, like there wasn't an evaluation today. Well, no. I, now in reading all of this, no one said that there was. Uh, there hasn't been any target date for his return. Um, I guess that final week could be a target date. But then he goes, I'm just working around the clock every day. And then he puts in parentheses three times a day to give myself uh, – typo the best chance uh, two best chance of coming back full strength whenever that is god bless y'all sources i speak for myself yeah it's a it's such such a weird deal such a weird dude right and i i am like part of me empathizes with superstar guys because the, it's got to be hard right like everybody says like man you know if i ever made it i'd, I'd be the same same guy whatever it's just you know, life is completely different. Like anybody else wears sunglasses on the bench of a Laker game. And you're like, come on, dude, what are you doing? But it's like LeBron's like, all right, like, am I really going to be critical of LeBron? I don't like last night. There's a timeout. LeBron gets up, walks over. He's literally in the coach's huddle and, and talking to the officials. Right. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? But it's LeBron. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing is bizarre. And I also, I find it bizarre that he bent over backwards yet contradicted himself in his effort to show how hard he's working, where he says, I've been working around the clock. I think that we would all understand that he's probably receiving treatment, you know, morning, noon, and night. Maybe he's dealing with something, you know, even overnight. I, I think that we would all, uh, we would all get that. But if you see in the actual tweet, Doug, he took the effort to then put in parentheses yes. three times a day. Three times a day. Which Every then day. isn't around the clock because it's only three times a day. That's true. And I'm picking and I and I'm and I'm, you know, like picking it apart here, but it's just the point of he's trying to go overboard and telling you what he's doing and what he's trying to do to come back. And just like, all right, you know, it's a little a little too much. Yeah. Uh it's 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 a lot too much. It's like, try, why are you trying to win the hearts and minds of people on, on social sure. media? I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. Like you have people that like LeBron, they're going to like LeBron no matter what. People that don't like LeBron, they don't like LeBron and you're giving them more fuel. You know, yes. there's no person who's a LeBron fan who's like, oh, now I'm more of a LeBron fan because three times a day he's getting ice and stem on his foot. <laughs> oh, now I'm in. Now he's the GOAT. Forget the Jordan conversation. Three times a day? Maybe. <laughs> is there any chance that three times a day is a shot at the Scottie Pippen story? Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Why uh, does that? Why is that, uh, that? That's like the greatest story of all time if I'm Scottie Pippen, right? Like, Larsa Pippen seems to have gone a little bit off the deep end. Now she's dating Michael Jordan's son. But, I mean, she's a beautiful woman. If they're married three times a day, like, God bless them. Like, you're Scottie Pippen and you're, you know, it's like, that's like, if you have, that's I like, I've never four. understood guys that have yeah. a Ferrari and don't drive the Ferrari. What's the point of having a Ferrari sure. sit in the garage? No, take it for a spin three times a day. Like LeBron. You want to know what? Yeah. And not to, not to take it off of Scottie Pippen's love life, but to go back to LeBron. You know, why I think he tweeted this, Doug. Why? Because the Lakers are winning. It's a good point. And winning without him. Yes. And playing team ball without him. That's a hard one. That's a really, really hard one. It's one of those things. This is what I've always said about LeBron. Like LeBron, I truly believe he loves when his teammates are successful, but he really likes when he creates that success for his teammates. Yes. Yep. There's a, there's a distinct difference there. Cause what you're saying is why like, wait, wait, you're saying LeBron James is selfish. Like here's an unselfish pass. It's like, yeah, sort of, sort of. He likes making that pass that allows you to score. And then, he giveth you that fame and that success. Whereas just watching you guys do it without him, because the whole argument for LeBron was like, well, look at all the teams and they don't have LeBron. Well, they got LeBron, they're kind of better. 
And that's a hard pill to swallow. That is a hard pill to swallow. Let me ask you, Byer. Actually, this is a this is a question I didn't ask. We talked a little bit about it. The Mike Trout stat where he swung and missed 24 times. That's a real stat. I I did not. I I did not see that. What just in any at bat where he didn't make contact was that correct? You know, at some point. Yes. Wow. Have you seen that stat, uh, Ramos? I did, and I it, that's the exact stat I saw. It, they showed it in the uh, the WBC game that he had only swung twenty four times and not made contact. No, right. Here's the exact. Oh, stat. here's the stat. So, okay. uh, he only had three swinging strikes in twenty four of his six thousand one hundred seventy four career MLB at bats. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So he has to have, have swung and missed three times in the same at bat. Yes. Okay, that's still. What he did twice. No, he did three times in that game, right? Correct. Okay, and that and then at bat. Wait, what, Ramos? He yes. swung at two fastballs that were right down the middle. Right, and then, and then the ball. slider that just threw him off the wall, spun him around, and that that was one of the best sliders I've ever so seen. He's, he's in only the game. it's not striking out swinging. He's yeah. done that plenty of times. Right, it's strike. It's like swinging and missing three times in the same at bat. Yes, yes, no. that's it. Here's what I need, though, with that stat. Here's the, that sounds incredible, okay? But what I need is I need context. I need context. Like, how many times did Tony Gwynn have an at-bat where he swung and missed three times in the same at-bat? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I, it's it's a great stat, but it's not with, it's without context. Like, how many times did Barry Bonds do it? Right. I mean, I obviously Aaron Judge, a high strikeout guy, completely different approach. I'm sure there's far more times he's he probably did that more than 24 times last year. <laughs> I was going to say, would we be surprised if it was zero for Tony Gwynn? You I would know, not be surprised. Yeah, right. <laughs> like we wouldn't be like overly shocked, you know, because at some point he's going to get a piece of the ball. No question. Yeah, I'm no surprised question. Trout didn't get a piece of the ball on the two fastballs. Well, that's what that I'm, that's what the the stat I'm, tells you. Yeah. I'm surprised the. Uh, Dodger slanted media isn't <laughs> talking about Mookie Betts grounding into the double play in the bat prior, leaving Trout uh, all on his own with no one on base with two outs. Hey, he needs to put the bat on the ball. We don't get right the, to the, the second Trout baseman. Moment. You know, <laughs> we don't four get... six three, and that's a quick two for Japan. Like I always tell the girls, Dan, uh, if you don't make contact and strike out, you didn't. I mean, what's at least you made something. You never know. The guy yeah. could have dropped the ball at second base. No, Bets advanced the runner to their own dugout. <laughs> that's what he did. Here's the here, here's the I, and I just I happen to have this uh, 19 facts about Tony Gwynn. Okay, remember 94, he hit 349. Uh, but it was cut short by a strike. Oh, boy. Right? Um, and l- that year, in the second half of the season, he was hitting 423, 472, and 613. Jeez. Right? Uh, Tony Gwynn struck out three times in a game once against Bob Welch of the Dodgers in 86. He faced 18 Hall of Fame pitchers for 541 plate appearances. Okay, so that's like a full season's worth. Of those at bat, plate appearances, 541, he hit 331. Um, in his entire 20-year career, he struck out 434 times. That's 21.7 Ks per season. Last year, for example, 129 players struck out 22 times by the end of April. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see here if there's any st- other strikeout ones. He hit 302 with two strikes on. That's the best mark for anybody wow. from the mid seventies on. Uh, he had uh, six times he had two hundred hits in a season. Forty five separate occasions he recorded a four hit game. He faced Mark Maddox one hundred seven seven times. He hit four fifteen against him. Um, Greg Maddox was that? Yeah, Greg yeah. Maddox. Yeah. I don't think you have to sell Tony Gwynn to us. The, the lowest Doug. average against any. Any pitcher he faced was Doc Gooden. He hit two forty three against. Wow, I mean, it's so good. It's I tough do to want hit a baseball put... with cocaine residue on it. It is, <laughs> it is really. You difficult. know that cocaine residue though. It really helps your. It's more for the grip. Sorry, Doc. It's more for the grip. Yeah, <laughs> it's more for the grip. No, I mean you're talking to like I'm like was the biggest Doc Gooden Dwight Strawberry fan ever, right? And eighty six Mets were awesome. Plus they're awesome in RBA baseball. But it was what it was. He missed the parade. 
Mr. Parade. Uh, if Tony Gwynn's 20-year career was split into two careers, 10 seasons apiece, he would rank first and second in franchise history and runs, hits, total bases, and doubles. <laughs> so when you say a guy is the greatest hitter you've ever seen, just know that I need context. I need context versus Tony Gwynn. Is that fair? Like that's, that's, that's the only thing because that's what's missing. You always have to provide context. And the thing that baseball usually does is 162 games, 162 games. I know they used to play 154. It allows us great context. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's welcome. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm in Hush, T.J. Hushmanzada, who, this is the best part about, about the John Morant discussion, right? T.J. was... I mean, can I use the word thug, right? Or I, you weren't like a, you weren't a gangbanger. Like you, you've, we've talked about this on my pod. When you're a teenager, like you literally sold drugs, right? So you got your life clean and you became, you know, you went to junior college, you went to college, and then you go to the NFL. So when you see a, a guy who grows up the way that John Rant does and is on a, 
is on a track to becoming a more 500 million, maybe even more level superstar and trying to act like he's one of the, he's one of those dudes. What do you think when you see it? Man, when I first saw the situation with Ja Morant, this is exactly what went through my mind. Like, I don't know if Ja Morant is really from the streets or not. I don't know, and I don't care. Let's just say he is. He accomplished the ultimate goal. He made it out. He was one of the few that got out of the streets and made it out. Don't mess it up by making silly mistakes. That's my only thing. I don't know. I don't know Ja Morant. And so if you were really in the streets like that, you made it out. Leave it behind because everybody that's in the streets, you get in the streets because that's your only hope. That's your only chance we feel. And to make it out is like a sigh of relief. The guys in the streets want to be in John Moran's position, and he wants to be in a position. So I just hope he figures this out, man. Being in the streets is it's not easy. That That's for sure. And, and to make it out is the ultimate goal. And so – Hopefully, him going to counseling, talking with his father. And that's another thing. You have a father that, that's in your life, man. If I wish my son would try to get in the streets uh, when he becomes a dog, we got a problem. <laughs> TJ Hirschman's out. Hey, I want to get to football in a second, but I went to the Laker game last night. And I don't care about the officiating thing. Like, everybody, it's not, it's, it's not worthy of a radio conversation. That's like when we're sitting around having a beer watching a game. But Hillbilly Mamba was killing okay? <laughs> Austin Reeves. They put Austin Reeves in the starting lineup and he was great. And look, I've been critical of my boy, Jay Williams over at ESPN for a long time. Cause he says some crazy stuff. Okay. But he pointed out today, like, I don't know what you do when you bring LeBron back because this guy, the ball is kind of going through him some and he's making plays and you bring LeBron back. We all know how it works when LeBron comes back. He's got the ball. He's making the plays. He's making the decisions. How do you think that all uh, unfolds if and when LeBron comes back this year? It's going to be tough because Austin Reeves has been really good in the pick and roll. He's making really good decisions. He's drawing fouls. He's getting and ones. He's getting AD the ball. What happened to me, this is what should happen, is with LeBron coming back, I think LeBron was playing around 35 to 39 minutes. With him coming back, you lower his minutes, and when he's out of the game, you try to stagger it to where – Reeves is not on the court so much with LeBron. So when LeBron is resting, now you can run the offense through Austin Reeves, him in the pick and roll with AD. To me, that's the only way you can do it because when LeBron comes back, the ball is going to be in his hands. But Reeves has been so successful basically playing LeBron that you got to see if it can work. I mean, you just have to. I I, I agree. You got to see if it works. And there's there's a way to do it. I just... We have reached the point where we're like, are we really better if we have LeBron? Like, I think we're better, but I don't know we're better because it changes the way we play Osa, uh, um, in, in, a, in a major fashion. All right, let's get, let's get to some football stuff. Um, you work out wide receivers, you work out quarterbacks, okay? So you have a working knowledge of all of these guys. Would you, Bryce Young seems to check every box except he's tiny. Like, he's just not a big fella. And then you have other guys that check, you know, C.J. Stroud checks a lot of boxes, but he ain't Bryce Young on the football field. So I, I put you, I put T.J. Oshmazada ahead of the Carolina Panthers. What do you do at quarterback? Man, it, I was asked this question already, and it, it's a tough answer. I, I, but I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not going to straddle the fence. Um, Bryce can just flat out play football. He, he's smart. He's accurate. He has a good arm. And everything that you said is true. One, you go with who you're comfortable with, who, who you feel you mess with. Um, but if I'm the Panthers, I'm probably going to go with CJ. If I trust that Frank, Frank Wright can develop quarterbacks the way that he's done in the past and having uh, Carson Wentz playing well after he got him uh, from Philly, had him in Philly, it's this is no easy thing because you got to have guys around them that can get open. You got to understand they traded DJ Moore, so who's going to be that go-to guy? Do they go get a DeAndre Hopkins? They just signed Adam Thielen, and so that's tough. But if I had to make a pick, um, I could flip a coin and I'd be satisfied with Bryce or CJ. But if you're going to make me pick a pick, which I'm going to do, I would go with CJ Stroud. 
Hmm. Um, all right, which which quarterback would you avoid? Wow, I don't know. Like, I, I don't truly believe Doug that like, oh, this guy's a bust. That guys become bust because coaching isn't what it needs to be. Like, there's a lot of coaches that they can't teach, but they don't think that. Like, if guys are rated so high and everybody, there's a consensus that this guy can play, this guy, it's the coaching, it's the development, it's the teaching aspect that isn't registering with that player. And so who would I avoid? I don't believe guys are bust. Like, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough one. I, if I drafted Anthony Richardson, I would not want him to play the entire first year, maybe two. Um, he just hasn't had enough starts, so I don't think I would avoid him. But I would be cognizant of his limited starts in college. You wouldn't use him in the same fashion that they used Vy when he first came in, or even Lamar when he first came in, or some of these guys where you kind of do run oriented, or or, or or Jalen Hurts and and allow him to develop, you know, throughout the season into the off season. No, because. Jalen Hurts played a lot of football in college. I, 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 listen, I, I, told, I agree. No, I, I, understand, I understand. I, I'm, I'm not dis. I'm just. I'm asking you. I, I understand the difference. I would not do that because okay. ultimately, you, you're going to have to throw the ball accurately with anticipation. And playing the NFL is a whole different animal than playing in college. And so I don't want to mess with his psyche. If he can sit a year, possibly two. He should be ready to go. But if you throw him in there too early, you can possibly ruin him. I don't think it's worth You're not going to – if he has to play, you're not winning. So why ruin him and lose when you're going to lose anyway? It's a, it's a great point. Um, of the wide receivers, who's the guy who changes the game the most in the draft? This draft, the receivers is uh, – there's really no clear-cut number one. Had Jackson – not been hurt the entire season. I believe he would have been a clear-cut number one. You got Quentin Johnson. He's big. He can run. Um, really good route runner. But the best route runners are smaller guys than Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Tank Dale. And then you got a big guy, Michael Wilson, at Stanford that can run routes like a small guy, just doesn't have a big speed like the like the little guys. And so this draft of receivers, uh, to me, is more route runners than just get down the field. But the route runners are the ones that ultimately have the success because you can create separation. It doesn't matter who you go against. And so I don't believe you'll see many busts out of this draft out of the receiver position because these guys can create separation. To me, that's the most important thing about playing receiver. T.J. Hussman is our guest here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, so the, the Raiders took Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they, I mean, look, they're, they're changing this thing out. They're kind of doing the Patriots West thing. Do you like what they're doing to adjust their roster? Uh, I do not. I do not. Um, I'm not trading Darren Waller for a third-round pick. Like, really? Yeah, he was hurt last year, but he's one of the best tight ends in football. Jimmy Garoppolo is a better fit for the Raiders than Derek Carr, but he's not a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Like, I don't under this Patriots West thing, like, you got to be able to have success as a head coach if you're Josh McDaniels before you start trying to implement this Patriots West um, thing if this is what they're doing. I don't believe you get better by letting good players go. Devontae Adams, they do have that, and so that will help them. Hunter Renfro can get open. Um, Josh Jacobs has yet to sign a franchise tender. Defensively, they have a good team defensively, but I, I don't like getting rid of good players like Darren Waller for a third-round pick. Like, there's nobody you're drafting in the third round that's going to be better than Darren Waller. Nobody. And so I don't like it, but I do believe Garoppolo is a better fit than Carr. When I saw what Stidham, when Jared Stidham came into the game and he started against the 49ers and he threw for over 300 yards, I said, whoa, what is Derek Carr not understanding that Stidham really understands? And so – I believe Josh McDaniels can get it done with Garoppolo because I saw what Stidham was able to do, but it does concern me. Yeah, I I look at Derek Carr and I think in the I think he's the most overrated, over discussed quarterback in the NFL. Wasn't wow, that's harsh? I mean, again, over again, all can all things considered, all things considered, right? That doesn't mean he's the worst quarterback. It's when he signs, he goes to the Jets, and like he could be a Hall of Famer. 
then they don't even offer him. You know, he ends up in New Orleans. I just, the, how many coaches has he gone through where they haven't been sold on him and he hasn't played great in big moments where we go, okay, well, maybe it's not all the coach. Maybe some of it's the player. Oh, of course, some of it is on the player. But I just point to the adversity of the 2021 season. How many quarterbacks could navigate and lead their team to the playoffs the way that Derek Carr did that? You lose your head coach and John Gruden, he's fired. You had a tragedy with Henry Rugg. Arnett's pulling out firearms on social media and he gets released. Versace is the interim head coach. And you're inside the 10-yard line in the playoffs with a chance to beat the Bengals who go on to play in the Super Bowl. I don't know how many guys could have that type of adversity and lead their team the way that he did. And so last, that year showed me a lot of his character. And so I can't, I can't just act like that didn't happen. There's not many guys that could do that. And so I got to remember all that adversity and how he led that team. That's hard for me to not bring up when people say that Derek Carr is not this, Derek Carr is not that. He just did what I spoke of, and that's not easy to do. T.J. Husbanzada, who's you the best? Up on game, of course, is every Saturday morning here on Fox Sports Radio. And Plaxico Burris, LeVar Arrington's great show with some good dudes. We'll talk hoops next time. We'll talk some football next time. You're the best. Thanks for joining us. Mr. Godley, keep killing it, my guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.